Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I, I, I was here at 6 o'clock by myself this morning and I realized as the sun was coming up that this is a privilege. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it that I'm going to fill that pew for an hour and, and be done for the week. This is a privilege to meet with God this morning. And I want to encourage you, um, we're working towards Easter, guys. Uh, the most exciting moment in the church's history. And I, I want you to get a hold of that and begin to think about that. It's becoming spring. If nothing else, you should be a little more excited. You've sucked up a little more vitamin D. Hopefully you were out yesterday. But this is, this is a joyous experience. We have a chance to meet with God this morning. And I want to encourage you. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you, we're, we need some scripture up there. Maybe. There we go. All right, so I'm going to, so I need to tell you that I, I realized yesterday that I need verse 35. And they aren't going to have it up there. So you're going to either have to open your Bible or listen intently to what I say. Um, if you're like at home, no one listens intently, so you might want to open your Bible. Verse 35. <laughs> then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the, the darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself among, uh, from them. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because I, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he knew Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than they loved praise from God. And I got out of the blessing oh, I got for that reminder. Lord, soften our hearts this morning as we hear your word, as we are reminded of those who heard Jesus for what would be his last public time of sharing who he was and what he was about. And yet, Lord, their hearts were hard. Their hearts weren't able to hear, weren't willing to hear, weren't willing to be open. And Lord, for some of us, our hearts aren't open. They're not willing. And so I ask even at this moment that you would soften us. Soften us to hear the message that you have for us this morning. Lord, That I ask that you would speak through me, Lord, not because 
there's anything special in what I have to say, but there's something extremely special in what you have to say. May we be reminded of that as we continue to reflect upon that, that cross, that grave, and a living God who walked out of it. May that remind us this morning that there is hope no matter what the circumstances. There is hope no matter what's going on in our life. There is hope that is bigger than anything this world has to throw at us. There is hope because there's hope in you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I just need to say, I, I got to give praise for the, this group of people that tolerated me for a whole morning and moved a whole bunch of stuff. I didn't think I had much stuff until we moved it. My back tells me we had a bunch of stuff. Not to mention it was 39 degrees and rainy. What a blessing it was, though. Uh, so I want to, uh, we're, we've worked our way through these different paths as we've worked towards the Easter season, or we are in the Easter season working towards Easter. And you may remember we, wa- we walked the path of service the very first week, and we walked the path of salvation when Pastor uh, Mike spoke the next week, and we walked the path of life when we talked about Lazarus and Jesus going to the dinner. Do you remember that? And we talked about courage. Last week, in the face of Caiaphas, courage to make the right decisions, knowing full well that there will be uh, repercussions. And today we're going to look at discipleship and what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. So what is a disciple? You may remember that we've heard of, you probably have heard of the 12 disciples, right? That's in Scripture a lot, right? These were followers. They followed Jesus around. Now, did they follow him around just uh, making sure that he had enough to eat or cleaning, uh, making sure that he had a place to go and a place to stay? No, they, they followed him around, but they learned from him. They grew from him. They began to share life together. They spent over three years spending time day in, day out. And I don't know about you, but once you begin, I always say after three days, family and fish both stink, Right? You've heard that joke, right? I, I, it's the one reason I believe that marriage is a miracle. If you can live with someone 24 hours a day for more than three days, you, that's impressive to me. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, uh, Veronica said you have no idea. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. There's a tear in her eye, too. I don't know what that's... <laughs> Just kidding. Joy. joy. That's right. <laughs> Tears of joy. You got it, Ken. Exactly what she's thinking. <laughs> but in order to be a disciple, you have to be a part of that group. Jesus took these 12 men that he was close to. He pulled them in and he... He worked with them. They stayed together. They went from place to place to place. And he trusted them. They trusted him. 
Think about, if you think about some of those gospel stories where they went out on a limb, they would go to places where they would have to sneak out because there would be people coming to get them. There were those amazing moments where they took loaves and fish and fed thousands, as Tim was uh, talking about this morning. That, there were some amazing moments for those disciples. And I don't know if you think much about your relationship with Christ but it can look very much like that. In fact, it's, in my opinion, it's just as exciting. And it should be. If you are a disciple of Christ, it's an exciting part of your life. That doesn't mean your life is perfect. That doesn't mean everything is sorted out. I will tell you this. It doesn't mean you know the path. Right? There's a lot of trust and faith uh, that comes with that. In fact, I would have to be, I'd be willing to tell you that that when I got serious about my faith in Christ, my path really took some crazy turns and I didn't ever see that coming. I used to say I'd like to read the last page so I know where my life is headed. I'm to the point now in life where I just don't really care where it heads uh, as long as I know uh, God's a part of it. Um, and I hope that that's where you're at today. But So I want to spend a few minutes. We're, we're almost out of time. No. <laughs> um, I want to spend a few minutes talking about what a true disciple of Christ looks like. See, I think there's, there's in this passage some basic things that you need to understand to know whether you are a true disciple of Christ. And if you are a true disciple, so I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to look at your own life in light of what we're going to talk about. And I'm not saying, well, we just say, well, I already know I'm going to, I'm going to look at my own life. And the other half is I'm hoping to teach you a really nice moniker. I think that's the right word. I had manicure. So uh, I kept trying to type in it. It kept coming up manicure. So I thought that must mean you need to put the, the letters on your fingers. So if, you like, if you're inclined to paint, you can paint an A, B, and a C on your fingers. So moniker, manicure, I don't know which one it is. Um, but I want to help you to be able to walk into the world tomorrow and hopefully you saw that on the, uh, the uh, countdown. Hopefully you heard that in Donna Shaw's comments. I, I love that Al, uh, getting rehab, is trying to figure out a way to share his faith with a guy who's not all that happy of a camper to be in a new room. And uh, that's exciting. So I want to give you some very easy, direct steps to know if you're a true disciple and to help share with other people what a true disciple of Christ looks like. Hey, there we go. The first, uh, the first, uh, goodness, I lost it. The, uh, the first thing is that a true disciple admits that they can't do life on their own. And I want to ask you that question. Do you admit that you can't do this life on your own? For some of us, we've been wounded so badly by other people, it's hard not to, to put our trust in anything other than us, right? Because for some of us, it's like, I barely trust me. I don't trust anybody else. See, this, this Christian walk, this Christian walk is not a club. It's not a group of eternity clubs that we come and we hang out and we spend some time together uh, and that there are this, all these different paths 
to heaven. I want to I encourage you that if that is in your mind today, there is only one way to heaven. There's only one way to eternity, and it ain't you. It ain't you. We've all sinned. I was, I was excited when Tim mentioned the, the Romans chapter uh, 6. We've all sinned. We, there's all have wages. See, this group that Jesus was talking to, this, last, he was gonna, this was his last public time to spend. They're like, where is this son of man? And Jesus begins to say, well, there's only a light, and it's only a light for a little while longer. And you guys need to catch to the light. Catch the light. The sooner, the better. And yet they didn't. They didn't see that. They didn't even see it coming. There's a scripture in uh, John 14, 6 that reminds me that there's no way to the Father except through Jesus. I tell you that because we live in a world that is absolutely inundated with all these ideas that we can pick a, a god or amount of gods or a chunk of gods or a group of gods or you can pick your own way. Everybody gets to pick this way and you all get the eternity the same. This is probably where, where Christianity is most offensive. It's offensive to people who don't want to hear it. Who don't want to know that there's only one way. See, I think this is what we do in life, right? We try to figure out how to balance the scales. We think that we've done some, I've done some bad things, you guys have done some bad things, and we put them on one side of the scale, but if we can do enough good things, we're going to balance that scale out, right? And as long as I balance the scale on the good versus the bad, that somehow I'll make it. And yet Scripture just absolutely throws that in the garbage. It says, not one of us is righteous. Not one of us has the ability to get to heaven on our own. Think about that for a moment in your own life. Do you actually believe that you have the ability and have done enough right things to get to heaven on your own? I want to challenge you this morning. See, because Jesus is talking about this light and the dark, and he says, you need to walk in the light while you have the light. Because it's about to get dark. Now he's talking about he's going to the cross. Well, we learned this. This is not my, this is not my nightlight, but I want it to be. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So Friday night was our first night in the new house. Uh, of course, there's still boxes everywhere, and there's still lots of stuff everywhere. But we realized very quickly one thing. We don't know our new house. And when you turn all the lights off, you know what that means? Stub toes, exactly. That's what it means. And the very first night we turned the light off, it was apparent. It was like, because we don't even know this. We're so green, we don't even know what switches turn the lights off and on. It's like, hey, there's, there's three switches. Just keep turning the switches until you, we don't have a clue. So we're like, oh, there's one. Finally, we figured out the switch, got it turned off. And then it was like, wait, I'm in the kitchen and the, and the bedroom's way down there. And I don't know how to get there. And my wife said, we need the nightlight. Well, I found the nightlight, but the bulb was burned out. So, <laughs> Note to self, got to buy a new bulb. Just a little thing. Exactly. But you quickly realize what happens in the dark isn't good 
And Jesus says, you're only going to have me in the light for a time, and then I'm going to be gone. But they never saw it. They didn't see it. They weren't able to see that Jesus was the light. Jesus was going to light their life, but they weren't able to see that. And I want to, I want to encourage you that, to think about whether you can admit that you're not the light. Because it's easy, it's easy to say, but it's a lot harder to do in your life. You've got to admit that you ain't all that. That's hard. The second thing is that you have to believe. A true disciple of Christ believes. It says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still did not believe in him. That's verse 37. He had done all these signs and wonders. He had done these miracles. He had done these things. And yet, they didn't believe. They may have admitted that they couldn't do it, but they didn't believe that Jesus was the one who could do it. That Jesus was the one that made the difference in their life. Scripture uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians reminds me that the, the message of the cross can be, is foolishness for those who are perishing. Foolishness. Do you know those people? I know people who are so smart that they have no common sense. They're so smart and so educated that they can't take a step that's not been calculated or a step that has uh, confirmed evidence. Uh, and they won't go there. And I, I, think, I think it's really intriguing. And this is what I've been, as I've been working and getting older, I realize that younger children have a whole lot easier time coming to Christ because they haven't been polluted by all the stuff in the world. They are able to take at face value this understanding that God loves them and he wants the best for them. And it's almost like we grow up as, as humans, as we, we grow up and we come to adulthood, and we begin to unlearn the idea that God loves us. And we begin to try to work our way and to calculate every piece and part. And, and I think what happens is we think, if I can't prove every piece of my life, I am not going to believe that. And I think that's what, because that's what college is beginning to teach, right? They teach... If you can't prove every piece of our life, we don't believe that. And I get that, but, I, but I'm, I'm challenged in one area of my life that each and every one of us, if you've driven a car, you exert faith, right? Every time you pull up to a, a nice little light like that, you have faith in a couple things. You have faith that the lights all work, right? That the green works, that the red works, that the yellow works. You have faith that the other side is the other color, right? We sit there at the light. We don't even think about it. We just, well, it worked yesterday. What if someone went in and programmed it and changed it? We have faith that that's going to work. And we also have faith that the person on the other side is going to obey it like we obey it. And, but we say, well, I, I can't prove... I don't know. The, do you, does anyone know how to program one of these? Or how to make the light bulb to make it work? Or program the person on the other side? Who does? Connie. Connie yeah. <laughs> Only one of us, but not all three, right, Connie? Just the light bulb part, right? <laughs> oh, the programming. 
Only, so Connie doesn't have to exert any faith for the light. <laughs> the rest of us, if you want to understand it, you can ask her because I don't understand it. My point is this. There are so many places in our life where we have to exert some type of faith. Go to the pharmacist once. Go to the pharmacist once and get a pill that doesn't look like the pill you got last month. And what do you do? Huh? Who's the, who's the last person that got a pill that was a different color than it's been for the last six months, different shape, different size, different numbers, and you just took it? <laughs> Only Lee. So you got Connie and Lee. <laughs> When we call, and then what do you do? You call Walmart and you say, hey, I got a pill that's the wrong thing. And you hope, like heck, they gave you the right pill. And once in a while, they give you, oh, well, they just changed the look of it. And then what do you do? You take the pill. Most of the people just take the pill, right? You don't know what's in that pill. I don't know what's in that pill. We trust and have a whole lot of faith. Because not one of us, well, only one of us, maybe a couple of us might know what's in that pill for real. I don't. We have to have faith. I'm, I'm, I struggle with those who say, well, I, if I can't prove there's a God, I won't have faith. Well, if you can't prove what's in that pill, why will you take it? Or wherever you go with it. There are so many spots in our life where we exert faith. And so I challenge you that if you don't believe that this God exists, or don't even give him a try. See, that's my problem, is you don't even give him a try. It's like, ah, I don't want to go there. I want to encourage you to remember that first they, you must admit, and then you must believe. Because God said, I, I sent my son so that you could have eternal life. This is a disclaimer, all right? We don't have enough months or years to talk about this today, but I don't want to skip this part in the Scripture, and I know some people who would love to spend some time talking to you about this. But in the midst of this, there's a Scripture, or in the midst of that Scripture, there's a, uh, there's a part where it talks about the uh, prophet Isaiah, and it talks where their hearts have been hardened. And I just want, I only put this on here because I didn't want to skip that part. Um, if you don't know about who Calvin was, or Arminius was, um, there are two very distinct uh, understandings of how God works. I, I want to encourage you to Google that or look it up or spend some time in Scripture um, because it, it, there's a lot there. There's not, we don't have near enough time, and we're already five minutes over, so we're going to blow right by that. Um, but I'd love to talk to you about that if you want to talk about that. There, there, that's a big theological arena. Finally, we need to confess I don't know if you looked at the end, if you heard the end of this passage. Whoa. At the end of the passage, the last, two, the last verse, two verses, it says, Yet at the same time, many of the leaders believed him, but because the Pharisees, because of the Pharisees, they were afraid of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. They were afraid they were going to get kicked out. They were afraid they were going to get kicked out, that they were going to get picked on, that they wouldn't be the cool guys anymore. And so they said, human praise is more important than praise from God. And I wonder how much 
For us, that is a struggle in our daily walk. How hard is that for you to have an open faith, to believe that Jesus died on the cross, and to confess that to other people if they ask? There's a scripture in, uh, in John 12 that says, Nevertheless, many, even the, even, nevertheless, many, even the authorities believed in him, but for those, fair, those Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. I'll ask this question this morning. I ask it pretty much every Sunday morning. Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Do you admit that you're a sinner, that you're not good enough to get to heaven by yourself? Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son and God Himself? I know that's a hard concept to think about and to think through. Most importantly, do you confess Him as as your Lord of your life? Do you confess Him that He will take charge of your life? That's what's most important. I want to tell you that those are the three parts of true discipleship as a believer in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and we know, we know, Lord, that uh, what's most important is who you are, who you are in our life, and the difference you make in our life. Lord, for someone this morning, they don't have a relationship with you. They've never experienced the difference you make in a person's life. They've heard about it, they've seen it, but they've never experienced it. For someone this morning, Lord, they need to bow their heart to you. To admit that they don't have it all together. Just like the rest of us. They need, Lord, to believe that you did die on that cross. You did stay in that tomb for three days and you raised from the dead. Even though we weren't there to see it personally, we have faith that your word is true, that it is powerful and that it changes our life. Thomas reminded us that, Lord, forgive me. I want to believe, but forgive me for my unbelief. Lord, you ask us to come to you, to bring it to you. And I ask even now that you would open our hearts. And Lord, we need to confess that you are the God of our life. You are the God who makes a difference in our life. What a blessing that is. In your name we pray. Amen.